Tonight, Donald Trump will debate Joe Biden in the first presidential debate of this cycle. And it's a bit late. People are already casting their ballots. This probably should have happened a long time ago. But Donald Trump has made some demands. First, he wants third party inspectors to check Joe Biden for earpieces. And guess what? Joe Biden actually refused. Oh, really? <laughs> what? It's, how hard is it to be like, yeah, sure, whatever. Have someone walk over and look in your ear and be like, yeah, he's got nothing. Trump said he'd do the same thing. And recently, Trump said he wanted Joe Biden to take a drug test before or after the debates. Now, here comes the grand speculation. Joe Biden requested two, uh, two breaks every 30 minutes in the debate. And a lot of people are wondering why that is. Perhaps he's an old man who can't stand that long and he needs a potty break or something. Well, Donald Trump said no, no dice. Trump routinely stands for several hours when he's speaking to his supporters. So he's not down for that. Some people are actually suggesting that Joe Biden needs the breaks to administer his uppers because Trump is accusing him of taking drugs. This is going to be great. It's going to be entertainment. It's going to be one of the best shows we've ever seen in politics. It was previously described as Mike Tyson boxing a three-year-old, but many people are saying we're underestimating Joe Biden. It's true. It's true. They're saying Joe Biden's been in politics for nearly 50 years. The dude knows how to debate. That may be, but come on, man. He's been in politics for 50 years. That's 47 years, but he's kind of too old for this. He might know how to debate, but can he actually do it? In fact, Politico writes, it's Trump who is being underestimated. They don't understand. They probably would have been better off keeping Biden out of the debates. None of us thought it was going to happen, and maybe it still won't. I don't know. It's on for tonight. It'll probably happen. But a lot of people couldn't believe it because Joe Biden just does not seem with it. Video after video after video showing Joe Biden failing to speak properly. And you know what's going to happen? Because Trump is ruthless. Joe Biden's going to gaff and Trump's going to be doing like you ever see Austin Powers when Dr. Evil keeps going at maybe you don't know the movie, but Trump's going to keep interrupting. He's going to take advantage of those gaffes and he's going to mock and belittle Biden. He's going to point out the dude can't be president. And many people are already saying if he needs if he needs a, if he needs a break every 30 minutes because he's too old and he can't stand that long, he should not be president. Now, Donald Trump's pretty old, too, but the dude seems spry. All of this is happening while insane smears are dropping. I I am I am just so eager for us to get into October already the month before the election, because the news is going to be absolutely ridiculous. They're going to accuse Donald Trump of things you didn't think were possible. They couldn't possibly accuse Trump of this, and they'll do it. Right now, I've got a line of stories where Trump insulted Latinos, Trump insulted black voters, Trump insulted soldiers, Trump is insulting literally everyone and his own supporters. I really just don't believe it. And I doubt most people do as well. But if you think this cycle is bad, just wait till we get into October. There's still more debates to come. And right now, Trump wants Joe Biden to take a drug test. Okay, let's read about what's happening to give you some context as we enter this presidential debate. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate. If you would like to support my work, there are many ways you can give. I got a P.O. box if you'd like to send stuff my way. But the best thing you can do, share this video. Now, I, I, I understand this is this video is supposed to be for pre-debate. And many of you are probably going to listen to it and watch it after the fact. But if I still talk about things that you think are relevant, sharing this video can really help. 
And I mean it. I don't have a big marketing department like CNN or MSNBC or Fox News. I just have word of mouth. If all of you shared this video right now, I'd be bigger than all of them like that. Don't forget to like, subscribe at the notification bell. But let's read this story from Fox News. Trump camp seeks extra debate rule. Third party inspectors to look for electronic devices in candidates ears. A source said Biden campaign has declined the ear check. Now, I, I guess they may have removed the, the, the part where he wanted breaks, but we'll get to that. President Trump is asking for an additional ground rule ahead of Tuesday night's first presidential debate between him and Biden. Fox News has learned that the president's reelection campaign wants the Biden campaign to allow a third party to inspect the ears of each debater for electronic devices or transmitters. The president has consented to this kind of inspection, but a source said the Biden campaign has declined the ear check. Wait, why? Okay, listen, if Joe Biden did have some kind of hearing device, they probably wouldn't put it in his ear. I mean, maybe he's got a hearing aid or something because he's old, but how small is a device going to be that can actually transmit audio? I guess it can get pretty small, but to, I guess, you know, like you've seen ear, you know, AirPods or whatever. Sure, I guess. But what about bone conduction? He can have some kind of bone conduction device you're not going to see. Inspecting his ear seems kind of pointless. The Trump campaign in the hours ahead of the debate claimed Biden's campaign had agreed to such an inspection before reversing themselves. Quote, Joe Biden's handlers several days ago agreed to a pre-debate inspection for electronic earpieces, but today abruptly reversed themselves and declined. Biden's handlers have (laughs) Biden's handlers because we know Biden's not the one leading this have asked for multiple breaks during the debate, which President Trump doesn't need. So we have rejected that request. On top of the refusal to take a drug test, it seems pretty obvious the Biden team is looking for any safety net they can find in the hours leading up to the debate. With his 47 years as a failed Washington politician, how much help does Biden want? Over the last several weeks, Sources told Fox News the former vice president's campaign has also requested two breaks, one every 30 minutes to break up the 90 minute commercial fee program. But that request has been denied by their Trump counterparts. The sources said a Trump campaign source told Fox News that our guy doesn't need breaks. He gives 90 minute speeches all the time. Kate Bedingfield, Biden's deputy campaign manager, called the Trump campaign's request absurd in a call with reporters. She also denied the claim that the campaign had asked for breaks. See, this is where we get into WWE territory. Donald Trump, I I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure he is in the WWE Hall of Fame. Laugh about it. Underestimate him, which many people are doing. They don't get it. Trump knows how to put on a show. Think about what WWE is. It's not real fighting. It's showmanship and it's, it's choreographed. Well, Trump can bring that to a debate and he has. Remember during the debate with Hillary Clinton? When he was like, you would be in jail and everyone starts clapping and cheering and getting them all riled up. That builds enthusiasm. Did Trump really lock up Hillary? No. Durham, the Durham probe is looking to the Clinton Foundation, I guess a little bit. Probably not going to happen. But Trump knows how to rile people up. And these debates are coming just before the election when Joe Biden needs enthusiasm and he's not going to get it. They go on to say, quote, his staff seems concerned that he may not do well tonight and they're already laying the groundwork for how they're going to lie about why, Benningfield emphasized. It is completely absurd, of course. He's not wearing an earpiece, and we never asked for breaks. The debate, the first of three between Biden and Trump, kicks off at 9 p.m. Eastern Time Tuesday and is being hosted by Case Western Reserve University and the Cleveland Clinic. 
in Cleveland, Ohio. The showdown's being moderated, moderated by Fox News Sunday anchor Chris Wallace. Bettingfield, speaking with reporters, added, if we're playing that game, the Trump team asked that Chris Wallace never mention the number of COVID deaths once during the debate. You can consider that confirmed from the Biden campaign. See how easy that was to try and throw out a distraction? It is pathetic. It's weak. Once again, the Trump campaign is lying. They're going to process. They're going to process because they don't want to debate Joe Biden on the substance. You go to process when you can't go to substance. I completely disagree with that. Now we're getting a lot of he said, he said, she said, okay. But one thing's for sure. Apparently Trump did ask that they inspect their earpieces and Biden's camp said no. But uh, no, listen, Donald Trump is going after process because he is, it, it, it's, it's a double whammy, man. He's hitting him on process. And of course, he's going to hit him on substance. Donald Trump's got so much to go after. Biden, you've been in for 47 years. What have you got going on? Healthcare, you never did that. Radical left, you're calling for a moratorium on border, on, on deportations and decriminalizing border crossing. Trump's going to talk policy and it's going to resonate. How about riots? How about safety for the American people? That's something Trump's going to want to bring up, because even though Biden's going to try and say it's your America, Trump, your president, Trump's going to fire back with your campaign staffers are the ones who are bailing these people out. And of course, that's not going to play well in the suburbs. Tim Murtaugh fired back, saying, quote, this is a lie and never happened. This is the height of playing politics with a public health crisis. Biden is trying to distract from the facts that he won't submit to an inspection for earpieces, won't take a drug test and needs multiple breaks during a 90 minute debate. Fox News has reached out to the Commission on Presidential Debates, the bipartisan organization that for more than three decades has organized and produced the debates for a response to the requests. The commission has traditionally pushed back against requests from the networks for commercial breaks. So we do have a couple other posts. Ebony B- uh, Bowden, verified she is a Washington correspondent for The New York Post, says, Joe Biden's campaign agreed to an inspection for electronic earpieces at tonight's debate several days ago, but are now declining. A source familiar tells me I don't know who her source is. It may be from the Trump campaign. Maybe not. We also have this tweet. David S. Johnson pushing back on Jack Posobiec because Posobiec said that they were, in fact, asking for breaks. He says, I've deleted the tweet that called BS on Posobiec. Apparently, a report does exist on Fox News citing unidentified sources. Now, the reason I f- I, I'm, I'm showing you this is just what we're getting is entertainment and enthusiasm. You know, Jack Posobiec comes out and says, we've got, you know, per report, here's what they're saying. He's pushing back. But here's the funny thing. Unidentified sources. You don't get to play this game, okay? If Fox News says they have sources saying this happened, what do you want me to do about that? Because the New York Times does it all the time. So you can't now just reject it because you don't like it. But of course, who's actually being underestimated? Politico says Trump, not Biden, is being underestimated going into the debate. Watching his 2015 and 2016 debate performances is a mind boggling experience, knowing how it turned out in the end. They basically go on. Look at this. In 2016, during one of her first prep sessions for the presidential debates with Trump, Hillary Clinton listened to a litany of attacks from Felipe Reigns, a longtime aide who was playing the role of Trump and tormenting her with zingers about taxes, jobs and immigration. Hillary has never created 100,000 jobs as Trump had. Trump's tax plan was endorsed by Larry Kudlow, one of the greatest economists of all time. You can't have a country if you don't have a real border. Clinton sat down, chastened. This is not going to be easy. 
That's a devastating argument, she said. I have not created 100,000 jobs, and maybe nobody knows who Larry Kudlow is, but he's telling you he's an expert. She immediately and throughout saw the power of the, the 100,000 job argument, Rain said recently in an interview, and how it helped Trump steamroll over 17 non-business people in the Republican primaries. After watching hours of Trump debates from 2015 and 16, what comes across in hindsight is that he had an underappreciated style, strategy, and message. He was not the Donald Trump of Twitter, where he launches his crudest attacks. He was not the Donald Trump of MAGA rallies, where he feeds off the crowd and plays a role that is a mix of demagogue, right-wing pundit, and, and entertainer. The matchup with Biden will be much different. Trump is an unpopular incumbent with a record to defend. He no longer has a clear message, as he did in 2016. Biden has the benefit of four extra years to study Trump. But the conventional wisdom about Trump arriving in Cleveland Tuesday as a manic and extremely, well, Trumpy debater could be wrong. Trump won the Republican nomination partly on the strength of his debate appearances. And while post-debate polls were generally favorable to Hillary in 2016, Trump's three general election debates were crucial to his victory. Maybe everything is different this year, but the debates offer the best and last opportunity for Trump to turn around the race. No, I completely disagree with that premise. The race is predicated upon complete nonsense, fake news, smears, and whether or not people trust the media. Okay, maybe Donald Trump is fighting for his career. You gotta recognize, for, for all the Trump supporters out there, it's closer than you think. Just the news says, Biden continues steady six-point lead against Trump among likely voters. Trump maintains strong favorability among in-person votes. Biden has major edge with mail-in votes. And of course, we've seen from Project Veritas, we've already got accusations and video evidence of cash exchanges for ballots. And I got to say, man, if we, we lost, what, like a million primary ballots or something like that were at risk of being disqualified. 70,000 votes in, the, in Baltimore were held by the post office seeming, for unknown reasons through no fault, no fault of the voter. Mail-in voting will be chaotic. Now, maybe that benefits Trump because he's got an edge with in-person votes. But this is just the news. I chose this source on purpose because they're actually much more fair to Donald Trump than many other outlets. In fact, this is John Solomon's outlet, the one who reported on all of the Ukrainian interference in the election, which, while I'm not going to claim he's trying to help Trump, was absolutely much more beneficial to Trump than any other outlet. They go on to say, Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden maintains a steady six-point lead with uh, likely voters, according to according to a new Just the News daily poll with Scott Rasmussen. Among Americans who have signaled their intent to vote, 51 percent say they will pick Biden, while 45 percent will choose Trump. Just one percent say they will vote for the Green Party candidate, Howie Hawkins, and the remaining three percent were not sure. This is not a CNN poll. This is Rasmussen. Rasmussen was right about the polls in 2016. Donald Trump could be on track to lose. Unless, of course, he's changed the game and the polls just still aren't working. I don't know for sure. If all of these pollsters changed their methodology, but Rasmussen didn't because Rasmussen was right, then you got to trust Rasmussen right now. And Joe Biden's on track to win. Don't underestimate your opponent. And for all the, for all the Biden supporters, there's still some bad news in this. They're going to think they're going to win just like Hillary Clinton, become complacent, and, and then they lose. Now, why is it? Trump may be hurting. Well, the New York Times just put out a smear piece about Trump's taxes, which was a whole lot of fake news. I'd say a whole lot of in terms of like the grandiose claims. Donald Trump only paid $750 in taxes for two years. Not true. According 
to the New York Times, who in their own report claimed Trump overpaid by millions. But his tax liability was only 750. Think about what that means. It means Trump's businesses are losing money or Trump is losing money as president, which he says he is. And he still chose to pay way more than he owed and said, just apply it to future tax debt. So not only did Trump pay millions more than he owed, he's actually losing money and still decided to pay. But the media finds a way to smear him. I bring you now to the hilarious smears. The Atlantic, Trump secretly mocks his Christian supporters, former aide to that in private the president has spoken with cynicism and contempt about believers. Now, why would Trump insult Christians? How could he? What, a, what, a, what, a, what an awful person. From the Atlantic, Trump, Americans who died in war are losers and suckers. Well, how could Trump insult the troops? Man, <laughs> leaked file from Trump's 2016 campaign reveals strategy to deter 3.5 million black Americans from voting. Well, now, why would Trump be going after the black community? What, what is this Trump doing? Here's another one. Trump said Hispanics are, quote, like blacks and too stupid to vote for him and didn't care about his comments on, on, on illegal immigration, that they were killing his company when his kids urged him to drop out of the race. Are you kidding me? You literally have a story for every single voting demographic and you expect me to believe Trump's just sitting there being like, here's what I imagine. Trump sitting in a chair like smoking a cigar and he's like, so uh, Christians, yeah, yeah, they're dumb. And uh, Latino voters? Yeah, they're dumb. Uh, soldiers, they're losers. You think Trump is just sitting there saying all of these things about all of these voting demographics? No, the media is pumping out smear after smear. They tried the same thing in 2016. They are trying it now. It is patently absurd. I'm not entirely convinced that this will work, but I'm going to trust the Rasmussen poll. It's it, They were right in 2016. That's, that, that's all that matters. Disagree with me all you want. That's fine. You better go out and vote. More than that, you better start canvassing people to go vote because it looks like Trump is not on track to win. I've talked to a ton of people who say Trump landslide. I've in previous videos said Trump was going to win. Then I said he's going to lose. Then I said he's going to win. Yeah, I go back and forth, okay? Because I don't have all the answers, but I can tell you this. It's because new things happen. So uh, forgive me if you want me to just sit here all day yelling Trump is going to win or not or whatever. The point is when new information comes out, when new polls come out, my opinion on the matter will change. I think Trump's in trouble. I think with Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death, Democrats are going insane. And Amy Coney Barrett is likely going to be confirmed, which will take some of the wind out of their sails because they've already lost the fight. But they're donating like crazy now because of it. Lindsey Graham apparently is like, I need money getting killed in fundraising. But let me show you something for all those Trump supporters. You see, maybe we're seeing these polls. Maybe they're, they're you know, not doing so, so well. Maybe this time they really are wrong. And maybe there is a new breed of secret Trump voters. Now, I've said this in the past in a couple uh, other videos. I do think there's going to be a larger wave of people who switch to Trump. Why? Well, I mean, because I did. I didn't vote for the guy in 2016. I'm voting for him now. And then the Democrats have lost the plot entirely. And I think if we don't do something, Joe Biden's going to get in. He's going to be the war machine all over again. He's going to be going after he's going to be placating and, 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 and negotiating with these extremists on the far left. But let me show you the good news, Trump supporters from The New York Times. Meet a secret Trump voter. Quote, being a lesbian who's voting for Trump is like coming out of the closet again. It's from The New York Times just yesterday. Chris is a registered Democrat in her 50s who lives in Manhattan. She's well-educated, well-traveled and well-informed. She has voted for candidates of both parties over the years and was enthusiastic for Bernie Sanders in 2016. Chris, you sound just like me. 
No joke. She asked me not to publish her last name. It would not go down well for her at the store where she works as a manager if her colleagues knew that she plans to vote for Donald Trump. Chris is also gay. Being a lesbian who's voting Trump, voting for Trump is like coming out of the closet again. Brandon Strzok said something similar. That's the walk away, dude. He said it was harder to come out saying he supported Trump than it was to come out and say he was gay. And I, I, I firmly believe it because we see it over and over again. They write, um, uh, this is, who, who wrote this? This is uh, Brett Stevens. He writes, readers of this newspaper who conjure an image of a Trump voter probably think of people like Mark and Patricia McCloskey, the couple who pointed guns at protesters outside their St. Louis home in late June. But if Trump defies current polling and wins again, it'll be thanks to a discreet base of support from voters like Chris, who fit into none of the cultural or demographic stereotypes of the Trump base. It's worth understanding where she's coming from. Start with the economy. Quote, I haven't seen double digit gains in my 401k since the internet boom of the late 90s. It went up 19.6% in the year before the pandemic. Look at the stock market, she says, up 35% from four years ago. Look at gas prices, about the same as they were when Trump took office, but well below the $3.31 per gallon at the midpoint of the Obama administration. This is everyday stuff that affects me. I don't care about Afghanistan and the Middle East. I don't, I care, she says, I care about having a job. I care about having health care through my company. I was out of a job a few years ago. Obamacare priced me out of private insurance. It was like $560 a month. Then Obama's website blew up. He can't get the website right. Then there's this pandemic. Is Trump trying to play it down? Yeah. But when this first started, the news media was saying that millions of people were going to die. And look at it. 200,000 people compared to the population. What worries her more are the effects of the response to the pandemic in a liberal city like New York. Crime is in my neighborhood now. There's a homeless encampment near me that's growing and growing. They have a living room and a shower curtain, and that's where they go to the bathroom. I have a guy who walks in front of the store every day in a diaper, and there's lawlessness coming into the store every day with an attitude of who's going to stop me. Regarding Mayor Bill de Blasio of New York, she adds, I can't put into words how inept this guy is. 50s, Manhattan, Democrat, lesbian voter saying Trump 2020. This is not just one person. This individual represents way more people than the Democrats want to admit. They like to say Tim Pool's a conservative. I just had an argument with Seamus Coughlin of Freedom Tunes about pro-life versus pro-choice. Sorry, buddy. I've always been a left-leaning independent. Left-leaning independent. I'm not a, I'm not a registered Democrat or anything like that. But I typically voted Democrat. I typically sided with these issues. That's where I was. Now I'm looking at the Republicans. I'm like, I, I don't agree with you. I'll argue with you. But the Democrats are nuts. People like Bill de Blasio allowing this, this chaos to happen and refusing to acknowledge the good things Trump has done. Now, to, to, to Chris's point about not caring about Afghanistan and the Middle East, I disagree. But I understand. She needs her job. She needs her retirement. That's what she focuses on. And that makes sense to me. I have a job. I'm kind of doing all right for myself. So I do care about Afghanistan and the Middle East. And guess what? Donald Trump's still doing a good job there. These Middle Eastern peace deals are tremendous. Bring this to the debate, Donald Trump, and you cannot lose. They want to say that Trump is trying to put on a sideshow, that Trump is trying to distract from the issues. No, Trump is playing chess. They're playing checkers. A lot of Trump supporters like to say Trump is playing 4D chess. I won't go that far. But Trump is playing chess. They are playing checkers. Perhaps that's underestimating the Democrats. Because you see all these smear pieces I just highlighted. They're trying. The problem is they may be playing chess, but they're playing really bad. They're like, 
that kid who pulls out the queen right away and starts, because the queen's the best piece, and they move it around and they lose the queen immediately. These smears are so insane. <laughs> Listen, man, if you came out and said Donald Trump disparaged, you know, uh, uh, you know, this minority ethnic group, I'd be like, I don't know about that. If you came out and said Trump said, you know, rude comments about a group of Christians, I'd be like, wow, what did he say? But when you come out and you just pepper us with all of these things where it's like Donald Trump quite literally insulted every demographic he needs to win, I'm going to be like, shut up. No, he didn't. That's ridiculous. Okay, fool me. You know, you, you, you can fool some of the people all the time and all the people some of the time, but you're not going to fool all the people all the time. If you try and put out a story for every single voting demographic and claim Trump hates them, I'm sorry, man, you lost me. Now I don't believe anything you have to, you have to say. But how will this translate to a debate? Well, Donald Trump will deny all of it. And people aren't going to care about what the, what the media has to say. They're going to want to hear what Trump has to say. But ratings have been down across the board. So we'll see how this plays out. You know, uh, people were expecting these town halls with Trump and everybody in, the, in these debates to be like record-setting performances. They haven't been. Tucker Carlson, however, has shattered records in cable TV news with nearly 5 million viewers in like the past week. It's nuts for like one day, mind you. So what'll happen with these debates? I don't know, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. We're going to cook up some pizza. Or we're going to, we're going to bake up some pizza. We're going to get some popcorn and beers. We're going to put on the big old TV and we are going to watch and we're going to tweet and we're going to laugh. And I got to tell you, man, Joe Biden may not be as hated as Hillary Clinton, but Trump is funny. And if you don't understand the power of humor and joy and laughter, then you don't get it. I've been to Trump rallies, man. Trump is a funny guy. He did it with Hillary Clinton because you'd be in jail. Everybody laughs and cheers. Rosie O'Donnell, fat pig. Yeah, everybody thought it was hilarious. Not, not, not the Democrats, obviously. They were getting angry and all riled up. But the more they get triggered and trolled, the less, the less apt for the, 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 the less capable they come off as. They, they don't seem cool and collected. And Trump, he comes off like he dominates. And, and you got to understand two important factors here. People want a president who's going to take control and guard them and keep them safe. And they want a good economy. Trump's proven it. I don't know what you think's going to happen, but I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at youtube.com slash timcastnews starting at 6 p.m. It is a different channel. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all. In the past two nights, Project Veritas has dropped evidence of an illegal voter fraud scheme. A man seen on camera holding mail-in ballots or absentee ballots claiming that he's getting paid to collect them. The left, of course, says, well, there's no real evidence of wrongdoing because a court overturned this rule allowing ballot harvesting. Yeah, ballot harvesting definitely feels like cheating, especially when they do it right before an election. But Project Veritas did not stop there. Publishing video actually showing someone exchange cash for an absentee application. At least I believe it was an absentee application. The police are involved. An investigation is underway. And I'm going to show you another story from New York. There is no question about this. Anyone demanding universal mail-in voting is cheating in the election, hands down. Because we don't, it's not just these stories. It is an endless stream of, of just mistakes, impropriety, whatever you want to call it. Take a look at this story from Gothamist. Brooklyn voters receive absentee ballot envelopes with wrong voter name and addresses. <laughs> what is this? The system's completely broken. How many stories do I have to go over where like mail-in ballots don't work? And it's ignored. And when Project Veritas comes out, what do we get? 
We get stories like this. Look at this. Fox 9 KMSP. They're not the only one. They're just the one that I chose where they say evidence is scant. The dudes literally published two videos showing people bragging about getting paid to take blank absentee ballots. Okay, I got to clarify. Taking absentee ballots. Someone later says, I saw them. They were blank. They even say in the latest video from Veritas, they're going to fill it out for you. And what do we get in here? They say, one problem, the hard evidence of cash in exchange for votes was lacking. This story was apparently published nine hours ago, at least what the website says. But it was last night that Project Veritas released the video that Donald Trump himself tweeted out, where you've got someone saying, now take this money for your pocket change. Veritas says, never seen before, cash for ballot exchange caught on camera. It's amazing. So did this local news outlet just not have Google, I guess? Apparently so. Or maybe they're lying to us on purpose. I don't know. But when Donald Trump says things like rigged election, when Donald Trump says things like there's going to be mass voter fraud, and then they come out and claim there's no evidence for anything like this, I have to wonder what their true intent is. No, it seems like, I'm sorry, they're cheating. That's the only way I can explain it. But let's, let's, let's start with what's going on with the Minneapolis police. And then I'll show you the latest update from Project Veritas. They say, Fox News, Minneapolis police investigating ballot harvesting claims amid allegations surrounding Omar. Ilhan Omar responded by mocking President Trump over a report detailing his taxes. You know, this, I, I really, uh, I, I, I'm not a fan of Ilhan Omar. And I would say that I've had complaints about her in the past. And she seems to be, you know, at the very least unethical in her behaviors. Now I'm just getting angrier and angrier because we literally see these videos and she's just laughing in our faces. It really does feel like she's she's scamming the American people. The Minneapolis Police Department is investigating claims by right wing activist group Project Veritas that individuals tied to Rep Ilhan Omar engaged in illegal ballot harvesting before the election. The Minneapolis Police Department is aware of the allegations of vote harvesting. We are in the process of looking into the validity of those statements. A department statement read on Monday. No further information is available at this uh, at this time on this. Project Veritas's latest video lit up social media as it came just weeks before a presidential election that is expected to see a surge in absentee or mail-in voting. In Minnesota, the issue has come under judicial scrutiny as Republicans and Democrats battled over a measure that would limit the number of ballots a third party could hold for others. According to the Minneapolis Star Tribune, the state Supreme Court recently allowed voting to proceed without a three person limit on the number of ballots any one individual can collect. President Trump has already called on the Justice Department to investigate the claims, which include allegations of cash for for a cash for ballot scheme. This is amazing. Let me tell you what's going on. And I'm going to I'm going to use this source that's that's kind of dragging Veritas. They're defending these videos and these individuals by claiming not actually illegal, not not actually illegal. They say historically in Minnesota, there has been a three person limit for bringing in other people's ballots. But in July, a district court ruling invalidated that limitation. The Minnesota Supreme Court reversed the ruling in September, but that was after the primary on August 11th. The video is buttressed by an interview with a controversial community activist, Omar Jamal. Jamal speculated without evidence that the campaign of Congresswoman Ilhan Omar was behind the ballot harvesting. <laughs> I love that he speculated without evidence. The dude's literally on camera like, here's money. Give me your ballot. Fill it out. And then it's speculation that he's saying Ilhan Omar's involved. 
Okay. Why did they get rid of the three-person limit? Why are they allowing anyone to go out and just start collecting ballots? That is insane. It's, it's, it's cheating, man. They did it just before the primary. They're doing it just before one of the most important elections. It is straight up cheating. There is no other reason. That, look, look, what they're basically saying is you can go around soliciting ballots from people. Yeah, straight up. Oh, did you vote? And then when people, a lot of people are probably going to be like, don't know, don't care. Well, vote for this person. Do it right now. And then what happens when you get someone like this being like, I'll tell you what, here's some pocket change. Go grab yourself some lunch. Oh, and by the way, did you fill out your vote? That seems to be what's going to happen. Seems to be what Project Veritas caught on camera. This election seems uh, rigged, and I'm really worried what happens. But I, I have to admit, though, part of me feels like no matter what happens, nothing, nothing's going to happen, right? Like Joe Biden's going to win. There's going to be all these videos popping up. There's going to be tons of evidence of voter fraud or something. No one's going to care. It's going to be like, Biden's president. Congratulations. I got to be honest, though. I thought they were going to cheat in 2016, and they didn't. So we'll see how things play out. So here's a quote. Uh, this is totally illegal, Trump said Sunday, linking to an article on the issue. Hope that the U.S. attorney in Minnesota has this and other of her many misdeeds under serious review. If not, why not? We will win Minnesota because of her and law enforcement saved Minneapolis and Iron O range. Omar responded on Monday by mocking Trump over a New York Times report detailing how in 2016 he paid $750 in income taxes. That's a lie. That's crazy, man. The lie travels so far. Did you see my, my, my video yesterday for my main channel? If you actually read the New York Times story, they straight up say that Trump paid $5.2 million in 2016 and 17. In 2016, he paid a million dollars. They straight up say he paid $1 million. His tax liability was $750 because of his losses. That means if you, if you take the system at face value, Trump lost a bunch of money and said, take the extra money anyway, apply it to future debts or liabilities. But what do they say? The New York Times leads the article with 750. And now everyone just repeats it, even though it's not true. If you, it, it, it's all, it's all dependent upon framing, but there is no framing in which Trump only paid 750. That's just not factually correct. You can argue Trump only owed 750, but it is a fact he paid millions. You, you, I can't believe this is, it's just all fake news, man. Now, now here's where Fox News starts dragging Veritas. They say Project Veritas, a controversial group that has produced a number of misleading videos, claims that a local community leader, Omar Jamal, blew the whistle on the Minnesota Congresswoman's alleged corruption. It's an open secret, he reportedly said. She, Omar, will do anything she can that she can do to get elected. And she has hundreds of people on the streets doing that. How is that speculation if he's the one doing it? The investigation purports to show a ballot harvester claiming that he received money to obtain ballots. It also highlights an alleged harvester who boasts about the number of ballots he's collecting for a local official. Project Veritas also claims to have spoken with a former campaign worker who indicated that Omar's team paid voters for ballots. According to Newsweek, Omar's senior communication director, Jeremy Slevin, blasted the investigation as an attempt to delegitimize the election. This is so insane. Quote, the amount of truth to the story is equal to the amount Donald Trump paid in taxes of 10 out of the last 15 years, zero, and amplifying a coordinated right wing campaign to delegitimize a free and fair election. This this fall undermines our democracy. They're straight up cheating, man. Here's the actual story from Project Veritas. They say, caught in the act, ballot harvester on camera exchanging cash for general election ballot. 
She's the one who came up with all this. We are taking the money and we'll vote for you. We don't care illegal. So uh, there's a source Veritas has straight up saying that Ilhan Omar's the one who did it. Now, here's the crazy thing. According to some local journalists, the FBI knew about this for quite some time. Yet the FBI director, Ray, said that there was no evidence of, of voter fraud. So what's really going on? Man, the system is rigged. I think I, I really wonder, you know, Donald Trump wasn't supposed to win in 2016. I, I know a lot of people say it, but nah, think about it for real. He was not supposed to win. He's gotten three Supreme Court justice picks. The Democrats knew they were taking this. They made a mistake. I think there's one thing they didn't count on. Julian Assange. And I mean it. They did not count on someone to leak emails. Whoever, whoever did, they didn't count on WikiLeaks. to. They, they didn't expect this to publish those details. And people really didn't like Hillary. But they probably thought they'd still win anyway, even though people didn't like Hillary. You combine the WikiLeaks emails, the wiping the server, all that crazy stuff that pushed Donald Trump over the edge. He became president. Republicans took the Senate in, 20, uh, in 2016, 2018. They maintained their majority. They were they thought they had, had they had it in the bag. I wonder if they really did cheat. But the cheating they do is based on just surpassing a certain margin of error, right? The idea being we only need to cheat 3% of the vote to guarantee victory. But when the WikiLeaks email thing happens, they ended up guaranteeing the vote in the wrong states. Hillary Clinton wins the popular vote. Trump wins the Electoral College. Maybe Donald Trump wins again. But I got to tell you, if you're a Trump supporter, take a look at some of the data, man. It is time for you to get out and start canvassing, because if you think you've won and you're sitting back and so many do, Trump's going to lose. I'll tell you this, man. I have talked to so many people. They're like, nah, he's going to win. And I'm like, are you doing anything? Nah. Are you canvassing? Nah. You mailers, anything? Nah, he's going to win. Okay, you're going to lose if you keep if, that, if that's your attitude. Yeah, I see Trump flags everywhere, but Biden signs are starting to pop up and I'm hearing more and more stories about it. There was a poll that I tweeted about where they polled, I think, 9,000 Trump voters, or I'm sorry, 9,000, yeah, Trump voters and uh, people who supported Trump and they saw an inversion. People hated Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton was crooked. So people abstained or voted for Trump. Biden doesn't have that. That's why he's hiding in his basement. So all these Trump supporters are so they, they just believe they're going to win. And I'm sitting here like, man, y'all are going to lose. Look, I think there's a lot of good. There's a lot of reasons to suggest Trump is going to win. He needs only three percent of the black vote based on 2016's demographics to win. But you don't know what this change, what, what other changes have occurred. And no one knows for sure. All I can tell you is if you're a, if you're a Trump voter, you better go out and start knocking on doors. Or I don't even know if that's going to work because of COVID. You see how the game has been rigged? You, we're, we're talking about cash for ballots. You've got video of them straight up saying, fill it out. Now take this money. What does that mean? Did, did, did Veritas uh, edit the videos? Maybe. Yeah, maybe it's all out of context. Who knows? Doesn't matter. You've literally got a video of a guy holding a stack of ballots and the courts have said it's legal to go around collecting ballots. You know what that means? In Minnesota, Democrats are going door to door in Minneapolis collecting ballots. And that means there's probably a lot of people who don't vote. And they're going to go up to them and say, did you vote? And they're going to go, nah, just vote for Ilhan. Give me the vote. And they're going to say, okay, just, just vote for Joe Biden. Give me the vote. Okay, that's it. Whether they give him cash or not, that's what ballot harvesting is going to do. Now, a lot of people are going to say, well, then the people are being in, you know, franchised or enfranchised or whatever. No, no, no. Listen, there are people who probably don't care. 
And these people who don't care and don't know don't want to vote. And that's their choice. Although I think they probably should be informed and they should know what they're voting for. You're going to get ballot harvesters going door to door and saying, come on, vote and give me your vote and I'll take it for you. Reducing the barrier for the average person who doesn't care and making it very easy to just tell someone who to vote for. Look, if someone can't, comes to their door and they, and they legally collect a ballot for somebody who chose to vote for Joe Biden or Ilhan Omar, well, then that's their vote, right? I don't like it because there's no integrity in the, elect, in, in the electoral system if, if, if this is the way things go. But now getting rid of that, that three-person limit, things are getting crazier. Now, that's crazy, man. Getting rid of that limit means that people are going to go around telling people to vote, only collecting the votes for Ilhan Omar, and I'll tell you where it gets crazier. What if someone goes, hey, fill out your vote. Uh, who are you voting for? And they go, oh, I'm going to vote for, you know, Ilhan and Biden. And you go, oh, OK, cool. Then you go to another house. Who, who, uh, so, so you're going to vote for, for Biden? No, I'm probably going to vote for Trump. Oh, OK, cool. Yeah, I'll take it for you. Chuck, throw it in the dumpster. I think it's funny that they keep saying there's no evidence of voter fraud. And it's like, do you want us to ignore all the ballots found in ditches and dumpsters, all the ballots that have been disqualified? Or how about the ballots that were in New York that were the wrong names and addresses? Look at this. This is from last night. The New York City Board of Elections has mailed out nearly half a million absentee ballots ahead of Election Day this November, as many New Yorkers are opting to vote by mail during the pandemic. Yet some voters are already reporting problems with their ballots that could invalidate someone's vote if they aren't caught in time. Multiple voters in Brooklyn told Gothamist that they received a mislabeled official absentee ballot envelope. Normally, the voter inserts their, com- uh, their completed ballot, inserts their completed ballot into the envelope and signs the outside. But in these cases, their ballot envelopes bear the wrong name and address. If a person signs their own name to this faulty ballot envelope, the ballot will be would be voided. Amazing. So far, voters in Park Slope, Prospect Heights, Carroll Gardens, Crown Heights, Clinton Hill, Bushwick, Flatbush, Brooklyn Heights and Sunset Park have already reported the issue. More than 140,000 absentee ballots have gone out across the, the, the borough. This is Brooklyn. So I, I got to wonder, man. A lot of these stories we're hearing about the broken votes are coming from liberal districts. And the Washington Post reported it's going to be black and minority voters and first time voters who get disenfranchised. It really makes you think. They talk about voter ID and stuff and they claim all, you know, that, that it's, it's racist or whatever. But they ignore the fact that it has been reported widely that it's going to be minority communities and low income communities who get rejected the most. But it's not even about that. You can you can play into stereotypes and make assumptions about whether or not, you know, certain groups of people, whatever, know what they're doing. I'm not going to play that game. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But I'll tell you this. If you're sending a bunch of bunk ballots to black neighborhoods, I have to question what your intent is. Maybe it's because Trump really is winning with with black voters and they're panicking about that and trying to stop it. I don't know for sure, man. I don't know why they're doing what they're doing other than they're cheating. Donald Trump tweeted about it. We've got numerous stories about it. We've got video about it. And I don't know what anyone is supposed to uh, supposed to do. Like, we're all sitting here questioning whether or not the, the election is going to be legitimate. And when you see more and more stories like this, you've got journalists saying Trump is lying. Trump will come out and say, we're going to have more fraud than we've ever seen. And they say Trump said without evidence there's going to be fraud. Then you get stories where it's like the ballots are broken. You get stories where people are paying for ballots. You get courts literally overturning ballot harvesting rules to allow people to go and harvest ballots. Even Tulsi Gabbard came out and said ballot harvesting is bad. Why should I have faith in the election? 
I don't know, man. I'll tell you this to the Trump supporters. Look, I'm going to be voting for Trump. And I think it's really funny how people on Twitter are like, you used to be a centrist, man. Uh, still am. Yeah, it's really that easy. In fact, I used to be a leftist. I, I'm a left-leaning independent. And if you if you ignore the fact that people like me are going to be voting for Donald Trump for a lot of reasons, then you're going to lose too. So I can talk about Trump all day and night and how his supporters need to get out there and start canvassing or making phone calls or doing something. You can't just sit back and be like, we're going to win. Nah. I don't think going out and waving flags is necessarily going to do anything either. But I guess it's good to show people that, you know, there are Trump supporters. Biden isn't really campaigning. Biden is not a part of this race. Okay, this is one thing you really got to understand. The whole strategy from Democrats is take anyone who is not Hillary Clinton, run the exact same strategy, cheat harder. That's what they're doing. They I, I think if you were to take the same voting demographics from 2016 to today, Yeah, Joe Biden's going to win. NBC News said it. Trump needs to have gained support. He probably did. However, the Democrats probably thought we're going to increase the cheating by a larger margin. That way, Trump can't possibly win. And then what happens if Trump loses? It's really interesting. You know, there's a story right now in The New York Times. I think I might cover this later about a New York lesbian voting for Donald Trump, saying that, you know, her 401k was through the roof. She's got a business. You've got the riots, the pandemic, all of this stuff. She voted for Trump. I look at all of the chaos, all the calamity, all the violence. And I wonder why anyone would want to support the likes of Joe Biden over Donald Trump when just last night, look, you know, look, normally I do my riot segments in the morning. I talk about the chaos, the the the, the fires, and I, I haven't done that yesterday or today. And I'm, I, I got to be honest, it's 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 a scary to say, but it's being normalized. And I, I, I did a video, you know, a month ago. I'm like, we cannot allow this to become normal. We must keep calling it out. But at a certain point, I'm just tired of waking up and being, oh, so there are riots again. And now the riots are expected to get worse. Jack Posobiec tweeted about Kenosha. He said, authorities in Wisconsin are now taking measures to prepare for an announcement in Kenosha per OANN source. Is this going to be about, I don't know, Kyle Rittenhouse or the officers who shot Jacob Blake? And will this result in more rioting and more chaos? I don't exactly know for sure what that's going to be, but uh, I'll take Jack's word for it. You know, he's got sources, probably law enforcement sources, and they're probably saying, yo, they're going to, you know, they're not charging the cop. It's probably the cop. Some people think Kyle Rittenhouse is going to get his charges dropped. I'm not convinced because those charges are there. They're trying to extradite him. I think they're going to announce cop was justified and there's going to be more riots. How? After all the rioting, all the destruction, are we still at a point where people are just ready to vote for Joe Biden? His campaign staff bailed these people out. I also think about Amy Coney Barrett. You know, she, she to me represents kind of like a stereotype of a suburban mom. She's, she's a successful, uh, federal judge, but she's also a small town mom with a family, religious, and she's getting smeared and attacked. I wonder if the Kavanaugh effect is real. It's hard to predict. It's hard to predict, man. There are a lot of reasons to suggest Trump will landslide. Videos like this, violence in the streets, the insults and attacks on people like Amy Coney Barrett. Will Donald Trump actually win the suburban housewives? That's the big question. We don't know for sure. But if you th- if you follow the polling, then it would st- it would seem that Trump is is going to lose. So there was one thing I saw. I think it was from NBC or, or the New York Times. They said the pollsters have fixed their polls. However, 
the Electoral College likely is not going to track the way pollsters think it will, even if they did update their polls. Based on updated polling, they think Biden's going to win. But people don't trust it. Now you got to understand that you as a Trump supporter, if you are, you're at a major, major disadvantage. These people now are underestimating themselves. So that means they're going to go out in force and make sure every single person votes. And I see too much arrogance among Trump voters. Sorry, that's just true. Convinced we're going to win. That's just it. You better fight like this, like your lives depend on it. Now, again, I've heard from Trump supporters are going to crawl over broken glass to vote for him. But you're up against cheating. You're up against the machine, the establishment, the lies, the smears, every single thing there, all, all, everything from 2016, they're doing again. So I think you need to, uh, I think you need to realize this race is closer than any of us expect with, I'm sorry, man, they're cheating. Okay. And that's just it. So, so you better pay attention. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 PM on this channel. Thanks so much for hanging out and I will see you all then. The Antifa individuals that encouraged cancel culture, the far leftists that said, if people do bad things, they should be held accountable. Now get to face the same consequences. About a week ago, there was a hit piece on journalist Andy No. They said that he was a right wing activist who was doxing protesters fighting for racial justice. In reality, Andy No just publishes public information on who is being arrested at these riots and why. These people are still innocent until proven guilty, but their information is publicly available. Andy No publishes this. Well, it backfired. Cancel culture backfired on these Antifa types. They started losing their jobs. And now it goes one step further. Portland ex-paralegal indicted by federal grand jury for violent rioting. That's right. One of these guys that the media claimed that, that, that well, the ally, their allies in media claimed they were just peacefully protesting when the police came and just arrested them. Well, apparently a grand jury saw the evidence and said, no, nah, this person should this person should stand trial for what they perceive as a crime. Now, again, innocent until proven guilty. A grand jury indictment doesn't mean they are guilty of the crime. But you can see him on video. Like there's a video of this dude. Andy No didn't just randomly grab a guy. He's like, oh, hey, remember that guy, that video I posted where he's fighting with cops and the dude's legit resisting hardcore. Well, now he's being indicted. This is just one story, however, showing us the personal effects or impacts on their own culture. What they say is freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom from consequence. Okay, well, now you're facing the consequence, too, because surprise, surprise, regular people don't want to employ violent extremists. These are the rules you made. But to be completely fair, you know, if someone went around saying nasty things like racist things, they're probably going to get fired. Okay, it doesn't matter if cancel culture exists or not. You're not going to be like if you work at Starbucks and on your break, you start spouting a bunch of racist stuff. They're probably going to fire you because it's not a fun place to be. And you're, you're, you're insulting customers. It's just stupid, right? So I understand that. If a business doesn't want you there because you're hurting their brand or their ability to operate their business, so be it. And that's exactly what this is. But this dude takes it a step further. It's one thing to say naughty words. It's another thing to be violently rioting repeatedly. The really funny thing about this guy, according to that news story that I was trying to defend him, is that it was like he and his girlfriend put on their costumes and go live action role play downtown. Okay, they didn't say it like that, but they may as well have. They're like, today, you know, his girlfriend is going to put on her medical kit and be a medic. It's like, dude, stop. 
slapping duct tape on your arm and bringing a a first aid kit does not a medic make. Okay, you're not you're not a medic because you're putting on a bag and going out. Okay, maybe his wife has some kind of training. Sure, fine. But this guy was like in the drum brigade. They're playing stupid games. And congratulations. Not only have you lost your job, you've now been indicted by a federal grand jury. This is all leading somewhere. However, a new report is warning of an extremist threat around the election. And this is fairly obvious. We knew this was coming. I mean, I've talked about it for quite some time. Things are going to get absolutely crazy. But the reason I think these stories are somewhat related is when you look at this, this defense piece they wrote about this dude and how he was basically LARPing, these people, I guess you could call them extremists, but it's, 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 they're extremists in a weird way. They're bored. They're playing a game. They don't understand the game with which they're engaging in. Okay. If you want to go around engaging in violent unrest, you will be indicted by a federal grand jury. You will face jail time or even prison time. Now, the interesting thing about this, I don't know what they're saying he's being charged with like civil disorder. It's not a very serious charge, but I don't know exactly what that entails because I don't think there are federal jails. There's federal prisons. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm obviously there must be federal jail. So I'm, that's probably stupid of me to say. But we'll see how much time this guy actually gets in jail. Jail and prison aren't the same thing. But the, the reason I bring this up is that I think people like him, these LARPers who are playing games, they're the ones who are going to show up on election night screaming like banshees about Trump being, you know, literally Hitler when it's just not the case. I actually find it really insane that right now, I guess these are people that I call low information belligerents. Like there are people who engage in this conflict and they have no idea what's going on. They tweet things about like Donald Trump and his taxes, and they didn't even read the news story. Tweeting things like, at this point, Donald Trump supporters would, would, you know, defend anything he did, even if he did something, you know, I'm not going to say what, you know, anyway, the point is they think that Trump supporters will defend literally anything Trump does. A lot of them will. Trump's even bragged about it. But at this point, okay, if you're in the middle and you actually read the stories about Trump, you're like, okay, that was bunk. That was ridiculous. Yet you have these low information belligerents who just believe whatever they hear. Well, buddy, when you want to engage in a riot, I would like to introduce you to federal grand jury. Here's the story from the post millennial. A federal grand jury has indicted a former Portland paralegal for felony civil disorder, a felony. Okay, that's prison time after he allegedly assaulted a cop during a Black Lives Matter Antifa riot. Thank you, post millennial, for saying Black Lives Matter Antifa, because a lot of people keep saying it was Antifa. And I'm like, nah, it's not Antifa. It's more than that. 31 year old Philip John Wenzel of Beaverton, Oregon, was charged with one count of civil disorder. U.S. Attorney for the District of Oregon, Billy J. Williams, announced Monday. Wenzel was arrested by the U.S. Marshal Service on Sunday. The affidavit of, the, of his case is sealed, but the indictment says Wenzel knowingly committed a violent act for the intended purpose of obstructing, impeding, and interfering with a law enforcement officer, engaging in lawful performance of their duties. Videos recorded of Wenzel at the riot on August 14th shed some light on his actions. That night, rioters shut down streets in a residential area of North Portland. They ignited fires and caused several vehicles to swerve and, and, uh, and a car to crash. Responding officers were blinded with lasers from rioters and attacked with, a, with palm-sized chunks of concrete, paint bombs, and ball bearings launched from slingshots. Wenzel was filmed attempting to steal a, bat- a baton from a Portland Police Bureau officer while a half dozen cops tried arresting them. I want to clarify this. He's getting arrested 
And when they come up, he grabs the baton, but he's being arrested. I don't, I, I'm just saying, I don't want you to assume he like snuck up to a cop and then like tried grabbing their baton. That's not what happened. He was eventually tackled to the ground. He sported a bulletproof vest and a gas mask. This is LARPing. These people are playing games. They don't know what the real world is like. I would love to just fly one of these people to like, I don't know, Egypt or Yemen or something <laughs> like Syria. Well, maybe not Syria. That's too dangerous. But go and actually look at what conflict is really like, because you showing up with a bulletproof vest at a street protest is like absolutely ridiculous. You're in Portland, dude. You're not in Ferguson or Chicago. I remember when I and, and I remember when I was in Ferguson, I had a bulletproof vest. Why? Because several people got shot. OK, you're in Portland. All right. It's riot weapons. Calm down. His wife, Aaron Wenzel, was also at the right as a volunteer street medic. Fellow Antifa comrades were filmed gathering his personal information to bail him out. What's your name? We'll help you, an ally shouted. At the August riot, Wenzel was charged by Portland police with felony assault of a police officer, resisting arrest, interfering with the peace office and dis- uh, officer, I'm assuming, and disorderly conduct. He was quickly released without bail. His arraignment hearing for local charges is scheduled for October 19th. Or, uh, that's local charges. Earlier this month, Wenzel expressed his disdain for the post-millennial editor-at-large Andy Noe's work in a feature article published by progressive Portland newspaper Willamette Week. The piece cited Wenzel and others who conflate Noe's coverage of violent writers with doxing. And while he got fired from his job, Wenzel blamed his job loss as a paralegal at Elizabeth Christie law firm on Noe's reporting. Though the firm's managing attorney told Willamette Week his layoff had nothing to do with protest activities, total BS, absolutely did. We've been lying low. And to be honest, we've been staying at home with the blinds closed, Wenzel told the paper. He said he feared for his safety after his booking booking photo and charges were published, leading him to change his appearance when he got when he goes outside. Before Wenzel deactivated his social media, he had numerous posts advocating for the uh, abolishment of law enforcement and photos documenting his violent clashes with police. Portland is now over 110 days of violent protests and riots organized by Antifa and Black Lives Matter activists. The post-millennial reached out to Wenzel for comment. Apparently, he didn't return one. But I would just like to point out, do you know why this guy lost his job? They say it had nothing to do with the protests. But according to Willamette Wheat, there was an email sent from his boss that, like to him apparently saying, your activities has hurt the firm and cost us business. You see, when Andy No posted this information. He didn't really publish it. It was already published. It was already public. When he shared this, you know, just reporting, people, I guess, contacted this firm or I guess people in the area noticed, and it made the firm look bad, hurting their ability to actually do their job. Because who's going to want to hire this firm when they got lunatics running around fighting with cops and setting fires and all this other crazy nonsense? Probably very few people. Well, the law firm basically said, we've lost business, therefore have to lay people off and you are getting laid off. So yeah, directly a result of. But the law firm is probably too scared to say anything because if they do, Antifa will show up and throw bricks through their window. That's how it works. These people who show up in this ridiculous costume, fighting with police, a battle for which they could never possibly win because they're LARPing. They're not actually fighting. There's low information belligerence. Okay. They saw a meme and they got all angry. Oh, I saw a meme about Brianna Taylor. I better go fight cops. And then they go and get arrested. Now he's got local and federal charges. There's a really important thing here. This guy, 
It's just going from bad to worse for him. He's lost his job. He gets arrested. And now the feds are coming in, too, because they've deputized these police. You love to see it. The local DA didn't want to actually deal with these crimes. So we'll see what happens with his local charges. So the feds are coming in and stacking them on top. Congratulations, buddy. Don't do the crime if you can't do the time. You want to go out and throw bricks? I'm not saying he was throwing bricks. You want, you want to resist cops when you're getting arrested and grab for their baton, uh, baton? Don't be surprised when you get charged with resisting and assaulting an officer. I don't know if you guys saw that video of Brad Parscale recently. Okay, they arrested him. A lot of people are saying this is crazy, suspect timing. I don't I don't believe in any conspiracy, conspiracies or anything like that. But in the video, Brad Parscale walks out and one cop grabs him by the waist and just body slams him. It's kind of ridiculous. And what does Brad Parscale do? He puts his hands up while he's on the ground. They roll him over and he doesn't resist. He puts his hands behind his back and they arrest the guy. The dude was standing there. Okay. He wasn't fighting any cops. He was talking and they body slam him and he still didn't resist. Was it justified what the cops did? In my opinion, I don't think so. I understand the ideas around why they would body slam him. I don't like the idea they did. He was calmly talking. They could have approached him. They said, Hey, buddy, we're going to, we're going to cuff you. Okay. Is that, we just want to let you know. And he probably would have been like, okay. And he probably would have complained. They need to body slam the guy. But even after getting slammed, he did not resist. So this dude thinks he's fighting the, you know, the, the secret fascist regime. They're cops, dude. There are cops everywhere. Calm down. You don't live in this Wally world magic, like crazy nonsense. These people are delusional. But where do you think people like him get these ideas? Low information belligerence. Like I said, memes, right? Well, what do you think happens then? Take a look at this story from Reuters. U.S. intelligence reports warn of extremist threat around election. U.S. security officials are warning that violent domestic extremists pose a threat to the presidential election next month amid what one official called a witch's brew of rising political tensions, civil unrest and foreign disinformation campaigns. They're straight up saying this will contribute to disrupting the election. We're not going to have an election, man. Like uh, the debates are tonight. That's going to be uh, a whole lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. I should probably order some pizzas and get some beer. It's going to be great. It's going to be better than pay-per-view, man. I guess boxing. I don't, I don't know what pay-per-view. I, I guess it's a reference to boxing. I don't know. Anyway, the point is this, this, these people who are crazy and go around LARPing, they are going to contribute to disrupting the election. I don't think it's going to come from the right. I think Trump supporters might react to this, but Trump supporters aren't the ones who go around starting the fights. This is where things start getting getting scary. Reuters reports the FBI and U.S. Department of Homeland Security memos say threats by domestic extremists to election related targets will likely increase in the run up to November to the November 3rd election. Those warnings so far have, have largely remained internal. But New Jersey's Homeland Security office took the unusual step of publicly highlighting the threat in a little noticed report on its website last week. Quote, you have this witch's brew that really hasn't happened in American history. And if it has, it's been decades, if not centuries, said Jared Maples, director of the New Jersey Office of Homeland Security and Preparedness, which published the threat assessment. Nationwide protests in recent months over racial justice and police brutality have been largely peaceful. Oh, I love how they do that. But some have led to violent confrontations, including between between extremist factions from left and right. Reuters, come on, man, give it a fair shake. There have been hundreds of violent riots, unrest. I, I, I like to say unrest because unrest kind of encompasses the riots and the, you know, just the general protests. 
Because sometimes the protests are bordering on the violent. Some things might get thrown, but it was like one or two people. They might shove a cop. Someone gets arrested. I wouldn't call it a riot. Just, you know, violent clashes and civil unrest. They like to pl- the claim they've been mostly peaceful. I don't care if you've got a, if you if, if, a, if the mafia shoves it to my business with bricks and throws them through my window and then says, we're watching you. And then a week later, a peaceful mafia march walks by and they go like that and point at me. I, I know what that means. So I understand many of these people may be peaceful, but as long as they're not calling out the extremists, y'all got a problem. And I'm not going to play this game with you. They say it's been mostly peaceful, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 I'm not playing that. Okay. Now, I get it. Some people just don't realize what they're getting involved in, but that does mean we have serious problems. And you see that you see the meme from the left where they're like, well, if they're, they're like, if you have all, of, if you have, you know, what, what, what do they say? 1,299 or, you know, 1,300. Or, yeah, that's what they say. If you have 1,300 good cops and 12 bad cops, but the 1,300, uh, you know, good cops won't call the 12 bad cops, then you've got 1,312 bad cops. It's a reference to ACAB. The, the point is, look, man, if I, I talked about this on the IRL podcast, when this cop who was in, uh, I think it was Portland or Seattle, I'm not sure, ran, walked his bike over someone's head. And I said, other cops should have pulled that guy out immediately. Okay, that was, that was over the line. This, this hippie dude, okay, this protester was laying on the ground. They could have walked past him, picked him up, and arrested him. It's that simple. That's what happens when you engage in nonviolent civil disobedience. The cop walks his bike over his head, and that, that's just, you got to get a cop like that out of there, Okay. And they didn't. And I'm mad about it. But the reason is, don't let him just do that. He's making y'all look bad. He's he, they're going to use it as propaganda to justify everything they're doing because the one cop did that. So you know what? Call out the one cop. Don't let him just walk all over people. And it's videos like that. that are going to lead to more insanity. They say the United States is grappling with the coronavirus pandemic. And, you know, of course, a politicized climate. President Donald Trump last week declined to comment to, uh, to de- <laughs> declined to commit to a peaceful transfer of power if he loses the election. Because what does it mean to lose the election? Trump has sought to cast doubt on the legitimacy of the election because of concerns about mail-in voting, which Democrats have encouraged during the coronavirus pandemic. Why is it Trump's fault? Why are they saying Trump is the one casting doubt on the legitimacy when they're saying it's Democrats who are encouraging mail-in voting? How many stories do we have of broken mail-in voting? Like endless amounts? It's, it's okay. I was not endless. Literally, I know that the media, that people in media are going to be like, Tim claims that there's, there's like, what, 50 stories? The New York Times even published this. We just had a story from the Gothamist. People in New York are getting ballots with different names on them. Yeah. Well, welcome to the, to the, to the insanity. And this uncertainty is going to spark massive unrest. That ultimately is my fear. It's not just these low information belligerents like this guy in Portland who's just like, oh, I'm going to go fight cops. Like, no, no, he has no idea what's going on. It's other things too. Jack Posobiec tweeted this. I highlighted my previous segment. Authorities in Wisconsin are now taking measures to prepare for an announcement in Kenosha. We have this story from Sarah Carter. Grand jury tape of Brenna Taylor case to be released Wednesday. Okay, what do you think's going to happen? When you have things like this, you have this story of uh, a grand ju- a grand jury juror apparently said that they weren't even given the option to indict these other two cops, in which case people are going to take that as evidence. The cops are cheating or unaccountable. It's going to fan the flames of the violence in Kenosha. 
Some people are suspecting they may drop the charges against Kyle Rittenhouse. I'm not entirely convinced. They're probably going to say no charges for the officers who, sh- who shot Jacob Blake, in which case more unrest. Now, here's where I tie it all together in a neat little bow for you. I would I would hope that all of these people who are planning to go nuts, look to the story of this man. What's his with Philip Wenzel? Was that his name? Philip, Philip Wenzel. You're in you will get arrested because you're committing crimes. Okay, protest peacefully. Fine. I get that. Even if I disagree, even if I think it's an implied threat, that's my opinion. By all means, I respect peaceful protest and I encourage it. Absolutely. This country is built upon it. It's fantastic. I love the idea that you can flick off a politician and and just keep walking. Okay, but if you engage in a riot, if you fight with cops, if you resist arrest, all of that stuff, you'll lose your job. Your information will be published when you're arrested. And then you will likely face a grand jury indictment because it's not just local authorities anymore. It's become a federal issue. So it's only a matter of time for the people who want to keep engaging in this unrest. I'm talking about overt violence, okay, where you will find yourself sitting in a federal holding facility or a federal prison. This dude's facing felony charges. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A felony charge from the federal government. That means prison. When I was covering a lot of the, you know, stuff on the ground, there's one thing you hear very, very often from these legal groups. The feds always win. They have like a 97% conviction rate. They only take cases they know they'll win. And when they do, they win. And you will go to federal prison. So when you get indicted, they say, yeah, you're going to get locked up. It's happening. Now, there was the instance in D.C., where they tried charging all the black bloc Antifa types with conspiracy charges. And most of these people actually ended up not being convicted. But there were several people who who pleaded guilty. And so I guess they're advising people not to plead guilty, to stand in solidarity and all that other stuff. Y'all are going to go to jail. Don't get violent. Don't attack people. Okay, violent riots hurt your cause. That is a fact, but they don't want to accept it. They want to go on believing that they can be violent and regular people will just accept it and be happy with it. There's a real threat of violence disrupting the election. We know this. And there's a real threat that Donald Trump will still end up winning. And then all of you who are playing your stupid LARP game will end up in prison. Trump is not that bad. These people need to chill out. I mean, for that matter, even like, look, Biden isn't that bad, but he's pretty bad. I think Trump is bad in a lot of ways, but I think Biden is a lot worse. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that Joe Biden is the devil or anything like that. He's just the establishment. More of the same. Somebody who wants to extract value from the system and rich their buddies. Yeah, that's bad. It's not going to be the end of the world. There are a lot of bad things that'll come with it, though. You know, so I'm not going to vote for the guy. I think the rioters are going to be emboldened. And these people think Joe Biden will give them what they want. So yeah, it will be bad. But I'm not going to sit here and pretend the world's going to burst into flames or anything like that. No, it'll just be Trump losing and then a bad dude will be president. Trump, I wouldn't call a bad dude, but I kind of shrug like, yeah, I know a lot of people don't like that because they're like, Trump's the best. I'm like, look, the peace deals, the Nobel Peace Prize stuff. I'll take it, man. Trump's not that bad. He's pretty good in a lot of ways. I'll accept it. Joe Biden, Joe Biden's bad across the board. So there's going to be unrest. Y'all are going to find yourself in prison, but I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. It is my main channel, which is different from this one. And I was looking at the video because uh, I'm, in, I'm in like a new studio setup. It's not a green screen behind me. That's like actually a room, but the lighting is different. So it kind of looks like a green screen. Isn't that weird? Anyway, whatever. I'll leave it there. I will see you all at 4 p.m. 
Thanks so much for hanging out. Donald Trump has now been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize for a third time. And you know what? The Democrats can't just leave well enough alone because we are in a tribalistic culture war. And it doesn't matter if Donald Trump is nominated seven times or 30 times. First of all, they're probably never going to give him the peace prize, even though he's negotiated several historic peace deals, which should probably be enough. He's withdrawing troops in the Middle East, should be enough, but it's Trump. Come on, they're not going to do it. Now, at the same time, Donald Trump is being nominated. I, I, I want to bring you to the stupid news cycle of the cultural war, the culture war and the tribalistic nature of such. British member of parliament nominates Biden for Nobel Peace Prize. Oh, Joe Biden. What? He hasn't even been in office in four years and now he's just running. Yep. Joe Biden is also being nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize because we can't help but just say, oh, well, if you're going to nominate Trump, then I'll nominate Biden, blah, blah, blah. Listen, Donald Trump deserves to be nominated. Whether or not he'll win is another story, but these peace agreements are epic. Why should Joe Biden be nominated for a peace prize? They're just trying to delegitimize it. Right? There, when Donald Trump first got nominated, we saw this article in The Atlantic saying, uh, you know, end the Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah, 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 we get it. You don't like that Trump is being honored for doing things. Trump has to be bad no matter what he does. Now they're justifying it by nominating Biden, who literally didn't do anything. Barack Obama, for instance, didn't do anything either. Here's the first story on Trump from Fox 8. They say President Donald Trump has received his third nomination for the Nobel Peace Prize, this time from Australian law professors on the basis of the Trump doctrine of foreign policy. Law professor David Flint appeared on Britain's Sky News over the weekend saying the Trump doctrine is something extraordinary. What he has done with the Trump doctrine is that he has decided he would no longer have America in endless wars, wars which achieve nothing but the killings of thousands of young Americans and enormous debts imposed on America and nothing solved in the countries in which it is carried on. So he's reducing America's tendency to get involved in any and every war. Flint continued, saying, He has firstly common sense, and he is only guided by national interest, and therefore an interest in the Western alliance. Flint also credited Trump's approach to the Middle East peace with the Abraham Accord, which saw the United Arab Emirates and Israel normalize relations, the first agreement between Israel and a major Arab country since 1994. Trump has two prior Nobel Prize nominations from a member of the Norwegian parliament for the historic Middle East peace deal and from a member of the Swedish parliament for helping to normalize relations between Serbia and Kosovo. Well, bravo, Donald Trump. He's got real reasons why he's being nominated. You may have heard the story because we did cover it on the IRL podcast and the news broke. But now apparently Joe Biden's getting one, too. So sure, let's just start giving out peace prizes to everybody. But what did Joe Biden do to justify getting this peace pro- this nomination? I would argue nothing, but let's see what they have to say. A member of the British Parliament on Tuesday announced he has nominated Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden for the Nobel Peace Prize. Quote, when others have resorted to violent solutions, Biden has argued that the best force is the force of argument. Chris Bryant, a member of the Labor Party, told The Standard, because guns can stop a heart But well-placed words can change many hearts. Many hearts can change a world. Any head of state or national politician can nominate someone for the prize. A far-right member of the Norwegian parliament, Christian Tybring Gjede, has nominated President Trump for the honor in both 2018 and 2020. For his merit, I think he has done more trying to create peace between nations than most other Peace Prize nominees. Tybring Gjede 
said in, a, in 2020, citing the U.S. broker deal normalizing relations between Israel and the UAE. Russian President Vladimir Putin has also been nominated by a group of Russian public figures, including writer Sergei Komkov, although the reason for his nomination was not made public. Quote, you all know that completely different people are nominated for this award. This is an initiative of those submitting to uh, submitting the nomination. In this case, the nomination was submitted by the aforementioned writer. Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov said last week, Putin's nomination was reportedly shortly after dissident Alexei Navalny was released to a Berlin hospital after a suspected poisoning with Novichok, a Soviet era nerve agent. The Kremlin has denied any role in Navalny's illness and accused Germany of stymieing an investigation into it. So far, 318 people and entities have been nominated for the 2020 prize, the fourth highest number ever. Sure. Should I care that Trump was nominated? I got to be honest, no. You know, look, I know that when Trump got nominated, a lot of people are like, good, good for Trump and he deserves this. But Obama did win the award for basically nothing. So why should I sit here and pretend like it's an it's an honor to receive something that somebody got for doing literally nothing? And now they're nominating Joe Biden. Yeah, it further just, you know, delegitimizes the award. But I get I get the point, right? It's an establishment award. If you're an establishment player in any capacity, you could get the award. It's good for you. So it's good for Donald Trump to be legitimized in this way. So they're going to try to delegitimize him. Now, I don't know how this translates or, or whether like, you know, what, what? Look, the Biden story has 75,000 shares, and they're going to use that to try and make it seem like Joe Biden is being, you know, uh, legitimized, like he's, he's, a, he's a real candidate. Well, I'll tell you what, man, y'all better be paying attention. New poll gives Biden commanding leads both nationally and in Pennsylvania. This story from the Daily Caller, Biden's got a lead and the polls could be wrong, but don't fall into that trap. You know, it's entirely possible the polls are right. Now, I happen to think the polls are wrong, but I'm not stupid enough to just sit here and underestimate Joe Biden. Look, Donald Trump gets nominated for the Peace Prize. So does Joe Biden. They're playing dirty games. We've got mail-in voting right now. If they cheated with mail-in voting and the polls showed Trump winning, then nobody would believe it. So they have to, if the polls are wrong, then maybe the polls are wrong so that when, when they do cheat, people will be like, well, you know, it, ref- it was ref- reflected in the polls. And that could be it. Or we can get away from any potential conspiracies or theories or whatever and just assume Joe Biden is winning. Look, I know a lot of people don't want to hear it, but I'll tell you this right now. Joe Biden is not Hillary Clinton. When they say Sleepy Joe, guess what? Not threatening. Sleepy Joe, just sitting there, oh, bumbling, fumbling, Sleepy Joe. A creepy Joe, too. But, you know, I guess a lot of people don't want to focus on that. This idea that you have this dotering, you know, this, this dotard in Joe Biden it's not a threat. He's a sad, sleepy old man. The opposite of Donald Trump. Trump is a fast talking braggart who is he pushes people around. And so they've taken Joe Biden, who's basically vanilla yogurt. He's like nothing. OK, no, no offense to people who like vanilla. Nothing. There's no fruit in that parfait. There's no nuts. Nothing. It's just boring, bland, right out of the jar. Nothing. Donald Trump, he's all kinds of orange, whatever. The point is, they're not running Joe Biden against Trump. They're running Trump against himself. They're hoping that people will hate him enough. So why does Joe Biden get a nomination to negate the potential good thing Trump has done? Because if Trump comes out or the campaign comes out and they say he's been nominated this many times, it could help him. People will be like, wow, that's 
really great for Trump. You know, he's done good things. Respect. So Joe Biden gets a nomination and it's kind of like trying to negate any good thing that Trump could have. The polls may be right. I know everybody wants to believe they're fake. But look, if they're playing dirty games, then it doesn't matter if the polls are right or wrong. We know that in several major swing states, they got mail-in voting going on. We know that you have establishment players across the board in other countries supporting Joe Biden. That's what we're seeing right now. Donald Trump getting nominated for a peace prize makes sense. He's negotiated historic peace agreements. Joe Biden doesn't make sense at all. So why would they do it to help him? Because now the story is getting shared like crazy. They want people to vote on the idea of Joe Biden, not who Joe Biden really is, because who Joe Biden really is, is a creepy, corrupt old man. But the idea of him is the nostalgia of the Obama era. So they're going to nominate him for a peace prize. They're going to say good things about him across, you know, in other parts of the world. And they're going to act like Trump is the one causing all the harm. When in reality, why should it matter what other countries think about us? Trump can actually get these peace deals done. And that's good for us because it saves us money. We bring our troops back. We can focus on our own infrastructure. Joe Biden is getting nominated and he's not even been in office for four years. I mean, Barack Obama won for doing nothing. So I think what you're going to start seeing is in combination to the mail-in voting BS, you're going to start seeing stories like this. New poll gives Biden commanding leads both nationally and in PA. And there's other polls saying that Biden is starting to lead in every battleground state. Convenient considering mail-in, mail-in voting. They have to make sure the polls line up with the ballots that come in. But as we saw from, as we saw from Project Veritas, cash for ballots. So how far will this extend? I'm not going to believe. Okay. I'll put it this way. If it comes down to the, 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 you know, mail-in voting and the swing states, and we've seen all of these problems with ballots being thrown out. If it then falls to, if it, if it ends up that Joe Biden wins and the mail-in votes were clean, no problems. I'm just not going to believe it. You mean to tell me that after all of these problems we've had throughout the primaries, now all of a sudden everything's okay? Maybe that's the point. Maybe they're just trying to, you know, these, these, these nom- this nomination of Biden and the, the, uh, like the, the whole game they're playing with everything, the smear pieces, isn't to stop Trump, but to delegitimize him, right? That's the point. The smear campaign, the, the, the mail-in voting is because they know he's going to win, but they want to make sure people believe he didn't win. And they want people to think Trump is not a legitimate president. That way, if they can win later on, they can say, well, Trump wasn't legitimate. So we're getting rid of everything he ever did. And then they'll just jump us so far to the left. You don't even realize what's going on. But I'll leave it there. I got a couple more segments coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. The stereotypes of the far left just doesn't want to work. And a lot of leftists say that's not true. We're just talking about developing new ways to run an economy. In their quest to economic recovery in New York, they argue universal basic income is the way. Just give money to people who aren't working. Otherwise, the bodega will go out of business. Why? Well, you can't have a business unless people can actually buy your goods, which makes very little sense. You know why? If you have two people and one person is doing work, why would he value the money of the other person if the other person doesn't do anything for that money? It's like an argument that just because the money exists, some people are going to want it. But if you eventually start having 100 people who don't work, they don't care for taking money from someone else. I'll give you a simple example. Guy goes to a grocery store and says, I would like a bushel of apples. Here's money from my UBI. The store clerk says, excellent. He takes the bag and says, he, ta- he takes the cash and says, now I have money. 
I need someone to fix the wood on my, my uh, on my my desk so I can, you know, put my wares upon it. And then he goes to that same person and says, ah, yes, can I give you this money to fix that? And he goes, why should I take money from you? I get free money from the government every every week. I'm gonna go do what I want. Now, sure, maybe there will be some people still working. I guess it's a general idea, but it seems like it's full of holes. I'll tell you one path to economic recovery. New businesses, new jobs, people doing something of value for someone else and exchanging a tool, a unit that represents that value. Unfortunately, the progressives seem to just not want to work. Progressives defeat Brooklyn project that promised 20,000 jobs. Bravo. The the developers behind Industry City abandoned a rezoning proposal after left-leaning Democrats raised concerns about gentrification. Ah, it wasn't even an issue of like what the business did. It was just don't bring the business here because it will bring jobs. Literally, they're saying bringing the jobs there will gentrify the neighborhood. So what? They're, they're literally opposing economic recovery. That's the name of the game, baby. Here's what the New York Times says. It was slated to be one of the biggest real estate projects in New York City in years. A major expansion of the industry city complex on the Brooklyn waterfront that could have created as many as 20,000 jobs at a time, at a time when local unemployment has soared because of the pandemic. But on Tuesday night, the project's owners canceled the expansion. In the face of fierce opposition from left-leaning Democrats, ending the biggest clash over development in the city since the collapse of the Amazon deal in Queens last year, and highlighting the growing influence of the left in local politics. Ah, and there it is. I just want to get, bravo, bravo. Destroying jobs, one industry at a time. Now, AOC, she likes to downplay her role in ending the Amazon deal and costing the city like 20 to 40,000 jobs, something like $30 billion over 10 years. The city really needed that money, that tax revenue, so they could fix their crumbling infrastructure. Well, now they're not going to be able to do it. Why? Because the progressives have continued that fight. AOC wants to downplay her role in this, but she was leading the charge. And now with the next big project, which is going to bring 20,000 jobs, the progressives come out again and shut it down. And so you will not actually get a chance to have these jobs so long as the city moves further and further left. Why would anyone want to live here? I covered a story very briefly for my main channel segment over at youtube.com slash Timcast, talking about a secret Trump voter, a 50, uh, a woman in her 50s, a lesbian who works as a manager at a store voting for Trump in Manhattan. I have to wonder, is this the kind of story that makes a Manhattan Democrat switch for Donald Trump? Yes. The Democratic Party is beholden to these people. You need jobs. Jobs good. Jobs not bad. Jobs good. Ah, but the progressives say gentrification bad. So are the people who live in New York supposed to live in squalor forever? Apparently so. There will be no exchange of goods. There will be no economic recovery. They say the project, which required the city's approval to rezone the area, had been cast as a way to bring jobs to an underdeveloped industrial section of Sunset Park. And supporters argued that the city's massive job losses in recent months gave them an even more compelling reason to move forward with plans to create a shop, uh, a shopping and office behemoth there. New York City's unemployment rate last month was 16 percent, nearly twice the national average. But the area's councilmen, and some community groups opposed the rezoning, 
saying that it would be a luxury mall that would worsen gentrification and contending that job estimates were inflated. The proposal divided Democratic officials and some leaders, including Mayor Bill de Blasio and the city council speaker, Corey Johnson, stayed on the fence, effectively allowing local officials to kill it. If a project like this can't succeed, it concerns me very much about the future of New York City, a place I've spent my whole life. The chief executive of chief executive of Industry City, Andrew Kimball, said in an interview on Wednesday. And look at all this. No rezoning, no concessions. Protect SP. Protect Sunset Sunset Park. Uh. Business leaders also expressed dismay over the defeat of rezoning. Catherine Wilde, the president of the Partnership for New York City, an influential business group, questioned how elected officials could forsake thousands of jobs when nearly one million New Yorkers were facing unemployment. Yikes. That's insane. The opponents of Industry City have further damaged the prospects for economic recovery from COVID-19, she said in a statement. But the progressive wing of the Democratic Party saw the proposal as a favor to big business, one that could lead to displacement in Sunset Park, a diverse working class neighborhood on the Brooklyn waterfront. Quote, people power has triumphed, Carlos Menchaca, the area councilman who opposed the deal, wrote on Twitter. Our work continues as community voices drives the growth and future of our neighborhood. Let me just tell you what my opinion is on the whole matter. I don't think they're actually trying to improve the neighborhood. I don't think they're trying to protect the neighborhood. I think they're trying to keep the neighborhood in squalor so they can claim to be the only ones who can save you from the horrifying poverty of capitalism. That's it. Because if you brought jobs there, guess what? People would have jobs. People would work those jobs. People would have money. They'd pay taxes. Infrastructure would improve. People's lives would improve. The neighborhood would become better. And that's it. But they start crying about gentrification. Oh, no, displacement. Well, listen, if you live somewhere, yes, sometimes people are forced out. It's kind of a bad thing. But you have access to these jobs. You can set terms. Say, okay, how about we do this? If you open this, the jobs, a certain percentage need to go to people who live within a certain area. How about that? No, they'd rather just shut it all down. Because what I think is many of these Democrats want people to remain in poverty. They want them to be on welfare because they don't want to teach them to fish. They want to give them the fish and then say, now, if you want your fish next week, you've got to come back to me and vote for me. And that guarantees these people will you'll have a dedicated base of voters because it's an, it's, it's an addiction. People can't break the cycle. And then once you get a couple of generations in that cycle, it becomes very difficult to stop. Because people are saying, I'm poor and I can't succeed. You have to, you know, help me. What we need to do, in my opinion, is create a social program through the government to teach people how to fish. That's that's the analogy I often use. I, I believe there's so, that social programs can be a good thing. But we need to be teaching people how to fish and giving them a fishing pole and then saying, now you're on your own. Now, if you can't fish, there's nothing more we can do for you. Instead, what we have is we have a, a left, a Democrat base that are basically saying, just keep giving them fish. Don't stop. It's like, well, that's not a solution to any of these problems. You're creating dependency. You need to give the people the resources to succeed so they can be independent and powerful. You see, independence is power. Not being uh, reliant on this system means you have freedom, freedom of choice and the ability to make changes to your life. But if you are stuck in a situation where you're poor and your only opportunity for food and shelter is through them and you got to vote for them to get it, then you can't move. You can't leave. You can't change your circumstances. It becomes harder and harder. That's what they want. 
That's what I think the progressives really want. They say Mr. Menchaca's opposition would have normally been enough to kill the plan. City council members are unofficially afforded the power to essentially veto any rezoning in their districts. But the councilmen had, but the council had been considering the rezoning despite Mr. Menchaca's opposition and held a hearing on the proposal this month. The city's planning commission had voted to approve the rezoning last month. The developers decided to withdraw the application on Tuesday night after more elected officials came out against the plan. The decision was first reported by Politico. Mr. de Blasio, a Democrat who will leave office in 2021, had supported the Amazon deal, but declined to take a position on Industry City. He said on Wednesday that other rezoning proposals were moving forward and that he would back ones that benefit the public. What does that mean? I think he's just pandering. I think they panicked. I think they, they're scared of, of the far left, of Antifa and Black Lives Matter. And so they're just giving in to unhinged, insane policy positions and ideology. And it's going to result in industry collapse. Maybe that's the point. They want to abolish capitalism. So they will make sure no one can succeed under it. They will make sure these businesses fail. And the mayor, the feckless politicians will say, whatever, I'm out. I got mine. And then what? What about the rest of us? They want you subjugated. They want you oppressed. They literally tell all of these people that you're oppressed and there's no way out. There is a way out. You can go into the woods and start your own fire and build your own hut. You don't have to. We live in luxury, but you can. You are under no obligation to live under the heel of these people who would destroy your opportunity to be powerful. Because think about it. You get this job. You work hard. You become a manager. You become a supervisor. You get bigger and bigger salary. You have more power with these resources gained by your own hard work. You can then use that to influence things. They don't want that. They want you to get the bare minimum from the system, a UBI, a a tiny little pittance, just enough not to challenge us, but to have your food and then vote for us. But we'll take away your opportunity and we'll tell you you can't succeed in any way. That's the message of the progressives. Not only will we take away your opportunity for a job, but you wouldn't have succeeded anyway because you're oppressed. It's not a world I want to live in. Not at all. So I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in just a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. Nobody can force me to say something I don't want to. Armed Louisville store owner explains why he refused to bow down to Black Lives Matter mob when they demanded he repeat Black Lives Matter. Bravo, man. Fadi Fauri justified his actions and his refusal to say Black Lives Matter during a Fox News interview on Monday. You will not come to me. Demand that I bend the knee. I won't do it. I would rather die on my feet than live on my knees. This guy said just that. This story's crazy. Let's read and I'll tell you what's going on. A Louisville store owner who was filmed in a tense confrontation with Black Lives Matter protesters who tried to get him to say Black Lives Matter has defended his refusal in a Fox News uh, in a Fox interview. Footage of the incident shared on Twitter shows a small crowd of BLM rioters grilling business owner Fadi Fauri as he stood outside his store holding a rifle. A group of Black Lives Matter protesters could be seen demanding he voice his support for the movement during a third night of Brianna Taylor demonstrations in the city. Here you can see the photo. He's just standing here. He's in front of his, his store. A group of Black Lives Matter protesters were filmed confronting the store owner, Fadi Fauri, as he defended his business among another night of unrest on Friday. Here we can see him. It looks like he's wearing a bulletproof vest of some sort. And it looks like he's actually got a thin blue line badge. I'm not entirely sure. On Monday night, Fowry spoke with Fox News' Tucker Carlson to explain his actions. 
Quote, why would you not just say what the mob wanted you to say? Why did you resist? Quote, the answer to that question is because no one can force me to do something that I don't want to do. It's just for the simple fact, like I'm a free man, you know, that's the simple answer to it. Yes, absolutely. You almost got me swearing, but I'll just say yes. This is America. You can be a liberal. You can be a progressive. You can be whatever you want to be. You can be a communist and no one can come to you and threaten you and tell you what you have to do. Or I should say they can try. And in America, no matter what political ideology you have, bring it on. Try me. And this dude said no, plain and simple. Fowry, who was born and raised in Jordan, but has lived in the United States for 24 years, further qualified his remarks. Nobody can intimidate me. Basically, it's that simple. They basically tried to force me to say Black Lives Matter or her name, Brianna Taylor. And I was like, I'm not. I'm not going to do it, whether they like it or not. Fowry confirmed that he has received plenty of support as a result of what happened. Good for him. I've been I've been given support from all over the country, and I've been getting hundreds and hundreds of phone calls, messages from all over. I believe that there's a video of me and they got attention from everybody, even from the local news, surprisingly. Now everybody wants to do an interview with me. During the tense encounter with protesters, the group can be seen ganging up on Fowry for several minutes as they challenge his views on the BLM movement and the police shooting of Taylor after he refuses to say he supports the cause. The exchange kicks off after a man asks Fowry, do black lives matter? To which he replies, if you're a good person, I will care about you. If you're a bad person before shrugging. The man then asks him if Brianna Taylor matters. Fowry hesitates for a few seconds before responding. Does it matter? I don't know. That's kind of crazy to me. You know why? If you come to me and you say, Tim, do black lives matter? You know, my response is going to be to you. Yes. Anything else? Oh, does Brianna Taylor's life matter? Yes. Did you want me to say something different? I don't understand. It's not hard. The problem we have is with the violence. Of course, look, there are probably some really bad people that celebrate death. Most people don't. Most people don't want anybody dying. So I'm sad to hear about Brenna Taylor. It's a complicated, complex situation. And I'm sad that anybody loses their life. Do Black Lives Matter? You bet they do. That should be implied. Nobody should even have to say it, but I understand why you think you do. Why you feel you do. I, I can respect that. The organization? No, nah, I'm not all about that. Sorry, no. I got no problem. I'm not going to play games. I understand what they're saying. If someone came up to me and said, does insert races lives matter? But of course they do, dude. I don't care. You can say white. You can say Asian. You can say Latino, Hispanic. You can say black. You can say whichever one of those phrases. I'm going to be like, dude, life matters. It does. You have a specific cause. I hear you. There were people in France. They threw a banner that said white lives matter. Of course they do. <laughs> like, why should that even be a question? It's, it's ridiculous to me that the media attacks people who would say any like, Look, if you've got a group of people that are concerned about their, you know, uh, ethnic group or whatever, we'll talk about it. If they're not going out and threatening anybody else, I got no issue. If you think you're under threat, I'll talk to you about it. I disagree with these people in France putting up those banners because I don't think they're, they're, you know, at risk as much as certain minority communities. But I think many of the Black Lives Matter activists are the ones causing the problems in the first place. That's what I'm complaining about for the most part. When white Antifa people go to black neighborhoods, start fires and burn things down. Yo, that's not like white supremacists and cops attacking minority communities. That's you, dude. That's you causing the problem. I think ultimately we just got to end the hate. If this dude wants to stand out in front of his business, I'll be like, yo, and I'll, I'll mind my own business. I'm not going to force someone to espouse some kind of ideology. That's dumb. 
But he's, th- this guy says he doesn't know. And I can respect that too. You know why? Should he know? Should everyone know what I know? I don't think so. The conversation turned tense after a woman comes into frame questioning his response and more members of the crowd start urging Fowry to explain what he means. Are you trying to intimidate me? I'm not playing that game, Fowry says, as he explains that he's trying to protect his business. An argument then ensues as the group starts to close in on the store owner and continue to demand he say whether or not he believes in their cause. A person in the background can be heard shouting, we don't want your business. Fowry turns his attention to the initial male protester telling him he will not be forced to say anything. He doesn't believe nobody can intimidate me. Bravo, good sir. The two parties continue to argue for several seconds, but Fowry remains defiant in his refusal to engage in their debate. And the protesters eventually disperse with the exception of one woman. Here's a, here's a, this is a, a tweet from George Ventura Media, a building that was being leased by Fadi Fowry. A small business owner was firebombed around 1 a.m. during last night's unlawful assembly declared by LMPD. Investigation is underway. This is back on the 25th, mind you. The woman who claimed to be a documentary filmmaker approaches Fowry and criticizes him for his stance or lack thereof as she lectures him over the injustice surrounding Brown Taylor's death. That's not my effing business, Fowry replies. It should be your business because all lives matter, right? The woman says as she starts to debate Fowry on racial disparities. You can say that, but it's the color black that is the issue, she adds. You have an issue with that? I don't have an issue. Fowry says in response, I don't care. White or black BS. I see you as a human being. That's all I care about. The debate finally comes to an end after a fellow protester urges the woman to leave the area. One of Fowry's buildings was later firebombed during the protest. It is not known if protesters specifically targeted the building. Come on, man. Is it a coincidence? Maybe. I kind of think it was intentional. I kind of think they went after this guy. You know why? Because the New York Times already reported it. They showed up to someone's house who had an American flag. They said, take the flag down or we will burn your house down. So this guy stands up to him and says, no, what do they do? Somebody goes and burns down one of his buildings. I'm not surprised, man. This is how terrorism works. So they want to talk about peaceful protests. And this is what I say. If you're part of a movement that has a terrorist wing, that goes around burning down people's livelihoods and their homes. And then you show up and say, but I'm just the peaceful protester. Now bend the knee or else. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're not a peaceful protester. And if you're just somebody who marches along with them while they have terrorists doing these things, I'm sorry, man. Look, I respect peaceful protests. But as I've explained before, if somebody's robbing a bank, and you're standing around in front of him and, and, and it's making it very difficult for the cops to do anything about it. Then you're part of you're you're you're, an, you're, you're essentially an accomplice. Look, there, there are difficult questions to ask here. You know, if somebody wants to march around saying, I don't believe in violence, but I believe in this cause. Well, I can respect that. But at what point do we say you have to realize what they're doing in your name? Right. I guess they don't. Or at least they don't care. I remember I met a communist, a dude with the, with the sickle and hammer, and he denounced Antifa right to my face. And I said, like, he was giving out communist books. And he was like, nah, these guys who are getting all violent, that's bad. That's not communism. And I was like, right on, brother. I don't care what you believe, as long as you agree to let people live in peace and have their rights. So what happens if you're a peaceful protester? You know the groups are going around doing this. It's been 110 plus days. What excuse do you have right now if you're going to march with these people when they're going around and threatening immigrants? It's an immigrant. Okay, right. You care about immigrants? No, they don't. Because they say only one color matters right now. They say black lives matter. And this activist specifically said it is about the color black is the issue. What about Latinos? What about Asians? What about poor people? You think only your race matters? 
That's what they're basically saying. And that's the challenge. When people say all lives matter, the left says, why are you ignoring the plight of the black community? Who says they are? Maybe what they're trying to say is we want to talk about the plight of all communities. And some probably have it better than others, for sure. I'm not I'm not I don't you know care all that much about people, you know, going around saying all lives matter. I'm not going to play games. If someone comes to me and says black lives matter, I'll be like, you bet 100 percent fist bump. That's right, because they do. I'm not going to play any games. I'm not going to take some tribal stance. I don't care. You want to say it? Fine. You want to talk about some Marxist ideology? I'm going to say, nah, I'm not not, not down with that. You want to say Brandon Taylor? You want to say George Floyd? You want to say Eric Garner? You want to say Mike Brown? All those names? I'll be like, none of of those people should be dead. It's it's, It's tragedy. Straight up. 100%. We can talk about it. Then I get mad at me when I tell them the truth and say some of these people were resisting or fighting. I still don't think they should have died. That's a fact. But I think there's other people whose lives matter, too. There was a white dude. Cops knock on his door. He walks out. He's got his gun. They shot him in the back twice, killed him. There's other people and their stories matter, too. So when someone says all lives matter to me, I'll be like, yep, right on fist bump right there, because both can be true. You're allowed to focus on your community. But I don't like it when people say that's the issue and it's their their cause, because I know people of other races who have their causes, too. I know people who are Asian and Latino. And they're experiencing problems. I'm not going to ignore them. And I'm not going to pretend like only your cause is the most important. I'll, I'll tell you your life matters. I'll help you if you want to fight injustice. But I'll also help other people if they want to fight, inju- fight injustice other places. But I'll tell you one thing you can't do. You can't come to me and you can't threaten me. That's it. Plain and simple. This guy, Fadi, he said the same thing. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. I hope you enjoyed the debates tonight. And I will see you all then.